This episode, the last of the four last things, hell and all the trimmings, the Catholic Underground starts right now. You have hit the play button on the Catholic Underground, the podcast, cutting through the noise and bringing you the topics that matter. It's episode number 460. For those of you who are rocking along with us, I'm Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge in Louisiana in these United States of America. Joining me this week, Kathleen Higgins. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kathleen. Oh, sounds so distinguished. Doesn't it? You should have like a, an honorary doctorate somewhere. Oh, yes. Hmm. I'll pick it from her new book. I'll, yes, I'll pick my university. Hmm. That's right. Well, we'll get right on top of that. Uh, the one who pretty much does have an honorary doctorate here at Catholic Underground, yeah. Olivia Galino. Because we can just give them out, you know? I mean, I'll expect a certificate by the end of the show. Thank you. Done and done. Mm-hmm. Going up to space... Uh, and the Jeff Star One near Earth Orbit's headlight, Dr. Jeff Blackwell. <laughs> Doctors all around. <laughs> oh, well, I, it's an honor. It's an honor to I be nominated. I don't even know what to say. Wow. That's right. Uh, Dr. Ed Ball is yeah, uh, Dr. Dr. in Ball. the video yeah. cave who's running the, the video for us. So Jeff's on audio, Ed's on video. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that and makes the gang's it. all here. And the gang is all here. We're all here. True that. So we've been making our way through the four last things. And so uh, just to kind of catch everybody up, so... Death mm-hmm. is, yes. is the first of the Start four last things. Welcome. That's right. And, and and talking about that because you know in our culture we really are obsessed with death yep. because it's it's the one window that we haven't been able to see from the other side of right. you know mm-hmm. and so it's something that philosophically especially the more and more our society moves away from belief in God or any sort of belief system at all except for the self. Oddly enough, death becomes even more interesting yeah. because we don't have a way to explain it, yeah. you know. And so mm-hmm. we've been we've been talking about death. So you have to go back a few episodes to to uh, to listen in about that. And then, of course, after death, judgment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And judgment, as we know, is uh, is is immediate after death, and uh, it also bespeaks and, and waits for. Um, the the general judgment. So we have our particular judgment, and then of course at the end of everything, when all is consummated, um, the the universal judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, with the four last things for us, we're concerned with our death, our judgment before the Lord, and then heaven, which we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. and uh, we also talked about purgatory as well. Yep. And purgatory, of course, is is the state that souls who do not die in the state of mortal sin but are on the way to heaven and still must be purged right. of any of the temporal effects due to sin, any of the things that that are not quite um, refined, right? That that mm-hmm. need to be purified, and as the same in the same way that one would purify gold mm-hmm. uh, in order to to be able to be in the presence of God. And then today on this episode, we're talking about the fourth of the last things, which is hell. Hail. That's right. And it's interesting as as um, as clever the notion of death in our society is, and as people are very concerned about it and don't like to say that they are, we also are concerned with hell because a great deal of our popular culture mm-hmm. deals with, I think, it more than heaven. Yeah. yeah. There's always kind of a fixation with it. Would you agree? I Yeah, I think so. And also, like, we sometimes on, on kind of, I guess, maybe uh, uh, the flip side of that mm-hmm. is sometimes we can be... Uh, erroneously sure that people are going there. Yeah. 
Uh, you're talking about kind of uh, the, yeah, like the judgmentalism. You, yeah, like mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to hell for that. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing. Of course, we, we recognize that it's it's not our job sure, to yeah. dispense who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, that would be divine judgment. And none of us being divine, uh, we, we can't really make that call. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that we can do and we're called to do because, you know, th- there's always this notion, well, who am I to judge? Yeah, sure. But whenever we see something that is definitively, yeah. objectively wrong, right, mm-hmm. whenever we see a murder or whenever we see um, you know, evidence of somebody who's actually doing something that is very contrary to right. the Ten Commandments, contrary to the natural law, then we, can, we can't say they're going to hell, but we can right. say their soul is in danger. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, yeah. and, and we do well, have to do and that. And that's a discussion. Man, I have that discussion all the time, you know, with, with people in general is, mm-hmm. is that very thing. Like, I can say, yeah, that, that's going to put you in some serious Mm-hmm. you know danger mm-hmm. um and and that action is not good yeah. um but you know to make that distinction is, is yeah well and if you think important. about it on the other side we also um we also kind of uh, canonize folks too mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing whenever we yeah. see something good happening right, sure. and we see a person who is actually acting in a we could even say like a superhuman uh, virtuous way we go man they're a living saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they really are. I, I, I don't even think I could hold a candle to them because they are doing this so selflessly. Yeah. And so we actually are kind of passing judgment in the other way, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, that's also not for us to do. Yeah. You know, uh, the only time that, that we can canonize somebody is after that lengthy process mm-hmm. of canonization where the church says, yep. Uh, miracles have been attributed to their intercession. They lived a life worthy of uh, of emulation, and so we can say they are in the presence of God in yeah. heaven. Yeah, um, they're yeah. put on the canon of saints. They're put on the canon of saints. That's right. And and the only thing that we can say about uh, folks and and of course we know them all throughout history is we can't say they're in hell, but we can be fairly certain that their souls were in danger at the time of their death. We, yeah. you know, we don't know a whole lot uh, at the time of a person's death. Maybe a priest kind of happens by. Yeah. Maybe they're able to reconcile. We, we don't know. Right. But that said, uh, hell is, in fact, a real state of being. Mm-hmm. Uh, contrary to what we try to think about, we can, we can condemn people all the time to, to hell, don't we? Like, oh, well, they're, they're probably just going to hell. Yeah. But by and large, our society doesn't believe in it even though that it's fixated on it and it's a state of being that we choose like Mm -hmm. i think that's also something that i I don't mean i'm sure kathleen and father like y'all both get questions about this all the time like well why would god send people to hell yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like well he doesn't you know like hell is a reality Mm -hmm. that exists because we have the freedom we're made to choose the good like our freedom is meant to choose good but we also um, because of sin, are are more inclined to choose what is not good, yeah. and hell is like the final, definitive door closing on that I've said no to God, you know. Yeah. And so, God respects our freedom, even including the fact that like we might not get to spend eternity with Him. Yeah. Right. You know. Um, and so there's um, there's a, a quote that I love from C.S. Lewis um, that I use when I teach my my seniors about heaven, hell, and judgment, and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's that the the love of God lights up the fires of hell. I think I've mentioned it last week. Yeah. Um, and that's because 
Um, it's not that, you know, God is purposely like igniting flames and he's just like, ha ha ha. Like, no, yeah, God doesn't yeah. rejoice in um, losing anyone, right? No, God right. wants every single soul. He wills sir- not the death of a sinner. Exactly. As a yeah. Of fact. He wants every single soul to be with him. Um, but it's the, the reality that we are so far from the love of God mm-hmm. that burns. Yeah. yeah. And I often think about the way that, that this came about. Of course, we know. Um, from the from the very beginning, it, it was it was the fallen angels. It was it was Satan, the the Lucifer and his his uh, angels that said, "I will not serve you, Lord, yeah. and I will not serve humanity. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to serve the crown of your creation." And so, uh, a state of being must then therefore exist for those who choose to be in direct opposition to God. Yeah. And if you think about how the Lord allows us to choose what is good. Is he makes it very clear in the in the garden that we are to eat of any fruit, but not the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, because the Lord does not want us to to have to experience evil. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he places it right there in front of them, not to see if not not as a test in that sense, but to just simply say like here is here is the 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 mark here is okay. the marker. Um, I you have free will, but if you if you want to know evil, mm-hmm. then this is the way to do it. This mm-hmm. is what will happen. And so um, in choosing a will apart from God, uh, humanity begins to emulate the fallen angel by, by saying, I, I will to be apart from God. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about how devil the, the hell is prepared for the devil and his, all his angels, as, as Jesus says in the scriptures, well, then it is a state of being that we, as, as the crowns of God's creation, as human beings who are free agents, who, who can act freely... It is a state of being that we also can choose, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and so I often think about that, that people ask me, well, why would God put that stuff in the garden? Why yeah. would he, why would he just not conceal the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah. Well, because a God who loves also makes it clear what the responsibility of yeah. that love entails. Yeah. And I mean, just on that note, since this is one thing that I love to, to read about, like um, different theologians and church fathers have looked at that um, that particular part of Genesis and, and said, like, if God were to put in the middle of the garden, like, the most luscious, beautiful-looking fruit mm. and never intend to give it to them, he's mm. a monster, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people are kind of maybe, like, implicitly okay with that, mm-hmm. like, content with, like, yeah, like, God's just got, like, a mean streak in him. That's why he sends people to hell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like, the reality is, like, that he's, like, you're you're saying, he's reminding them of the responsibility that, yes. like, trying to be like God entails. And so their sin was trying to be like God without God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but which also, is impossible. Yeah, which is literally <laughs> impossible. Um, and that's why the devil tells those lies, like, well, God doesn't really want you to be like him. You should right. just eat yeah. the fruit. Um, but um, but all, that's, all that is to say, like, God always intended to give them that fruit, mm-hmm. right? Just like God always intends to give us eternal life. And so even in the garden, this is one thing I love, too, about the, the creation stories, because mm-hmm. uh, there are two. Um, but at the end of the second creation story, when they're being cast out of the garden, the reason is because if they touch the tree of life, in their state of mortal sin, separation mm-hmm. from God, then that's it. That's right. it for humanity. That's it for them. Right. And they all can they never go know. back. Right, exactly. Yeah. They, all they will know is a state of death. Mm-hmm. And so God, because he loves them and he has a plan for redemption, he literally says it like 
step one after the fall, he's like, Genesis 3.15, right? I will send a savior. That's not what he says, but anyway. Um, I will put enmity between you yeah. and the woman, mm-hmm. between your offspring and hers. Yeah. You will strike at her heel and she will crush your head. Yeah. yeah. And so God wants togetherness. He wants unity of, of all of humanity and creation with him. And so in order to preserve that, he, he casts them out, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he puts it, angels it, with like flaming swords yeah, to guard right. the way back to it, the tree of was, life. You it know? was punitive in the sense that you, you don't want your kid to, you know, to, to go into danger again. And so you, you make some sort of a penalty for, yeah. for what they have mm-hmm. done. And, and for us, that was the penalty yeah. to be cast out of the garden, but not without God's intention to one day restore us yeah. to that as well. And so, all this to say, uh, hell is a, a place that is a that that is apart from God. It is a state of being uh, that that souls can go. So we believe at, at death, the body and the soul are are, are separated uh, of the individual are mm-hmm. separated. At Christ's return before the universal judgment, the souls of the dead will be reunited with the bodies they had in their life on earth. Although they will be glorified bodies for those who uh, enter eternal beatitude, um, but uh, but those who uh, who are the who are damned, right? Who who uh, desire desire to be apart from God for eternity, they will endure their share of the torments of hell with their condemned bodies. If you, yeah. it's kind of like the inverse of a glorified body. It's yeah. a glorified body, but opposite. Yeah, yeah. I've never really thought about that because mm-hmm. I mean, I, we spend a lot of time talking about that idea of a glorified body. Yeah, we believe in the resurrection yeah. of the body, and normally we think about that in the terms of beatitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I've never thought about mm-hmm. that. And so, Ooh. if you can imagine having essentially a, an Im, an immortal, glorified body, but completely devoid of any of the joys of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. For eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's uh, as Casey Kasem might say, sheerish stuff. Mm. <laughs> you know? Um, and that's why Dante, whenever he enters into, and of course we should say that Dante is, is not a saint of the church, um, but he is definitely a very introspective poet mm-hmm. of, of the church, uh, trying to kind of give voice to some of these states of being with this deep philosophy and very good theology. Mm-hmm. And when he gets to the gates of hell... Uh, Beatrice shows him the, the the moniker above hell, and it says, "It says abandon all hope, all you who enter here." Yeah, yeah and and that's a it's actually it was Virgil. Who oh, it was Virgil. Yeah. It wasn't Beatrice, no, Beatrice yeah, was heaven, taking yeah. him to heaven. It was Virgil that took him through hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, it's been a so, while. So yeah, but sorry, it's the teacher in me. I can't. It's help okay. Myself. No, I'm glad uh, to be corrected. Believe me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like and. I, I read again, like to talk about how I teach this to my students, like when we're talking about hell, like I read them part of Dante because it's a, it's a class on theology through art and literature is part of art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way that he describes that, it's like, it's, it's not just the sign, right? But it's like immediately like the river sticks mm-hmm. and the sound that he describes is it's like muffled screams, mm-hmm. right? And like it it's kind of described as like the death of hopes and dreams, right? Because like, this is literally where like hope comes to die Mm -hmm. because after this point, there is no hope. Right. Right. And Dante knows that because he is, you know, a good Catholic and he's, if you want to find out who Dante thinks goes to hell, it's a lots of bishops, Um, many priests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he, he recognizes that this is a final state of being like, there is no, 
going back from this. And I think sometimes that's hard for people to reconcile with. Like I get questions a lot about like, well, like, is there even about like demons? Like mm -hmm. I've, I've had people ask me like, well, can demons be like rehabilitated? Like can demons kind of go back? Can people in hell like this be reconciled with God? This is not a WB series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the answer is no. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I think we're uncomfortable with the fact that sometimes uh, and in this instance, our choices are permanent. Yeah. You know? Well, we don't like consequences today, right? That's yeah. that's one of the, the biggest problems, I think, in our society that we see is that people, um, I, I mean, myself included, like yeah. we, we honestly think sometimes whenever we do the wrong thing that there will be no consequence. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that is one of the one of the issues that, that, that again, we're, we're kind of fixated on because we know that there's something there. We know that there must be a consequence that, ultimately is eternal because we know we are finite. One day we yeah. will die. And so either, as I tell my parishioners, either everything that Jesus has told us is true or well, none of it is. is. Yeah. It's yeah. all true or it's all a lie. And, and if it's all true, then that means that there are eternal consequences on the other side of our, our timeline. Yeah. If we believe eternity is on the other side of it, then those choices are eternal. In the case of, of the fallen angels as well as the, the angels, the choice they made is binary, yes or no, and it yeah. is everlasting. They, they got kind of one shot at making mm -hmm. the choice because they exist outside of time. And we, throughout our lives, I mean, we talk about the patience of God. We have the ability to choose what is good and to do the right because we ought to do it because yeah. we love God. Yeah. And we, I mean, all of us, over the course of the timeline, we don't know how many days, weeks, or months we have, but we are able to actually choose choose wrongly, be reconciled to God, and choose rightly. And sometimes we do. We make that um, that serpentine throughout our lives of, of rising and falling. But the idea is that, you know, we would hope that we would go through the Paschal mystery of dying and rising mm -hmm. and not just simply uh, boomeranging in and out of mortal sin. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times that's what's uh, kind of known as the purgative way in the spiritual life where we don't seek to be illuminated by, by the light of the gospel and we don't seek union with Christ, but we just kind of yo-yo in and out of, of mortal sin, which is a, which is a true spiritual place. Mm -hmm. And many, most people, uh, a lot of the saints would say, just kind of live their life in this purgative way, in and out of, of the confessional, so to speak. Hey, that's, that's not a bad place mm -hmm. to be because yeah. it means that you're taking charge of your soul. You know, um, but we do know that that uh, there is a reckoning. There will mm -hmm. be. In fact, the gospel for uh, Gaudete Sunday, mm -hmm. uh, John the Baptist says that that the Messiah, when he comes, is going to to kind of kick up all of the uh, all the wheat, and he's going to winnow the chaff, mm -hmm. right? And it will be burned, but mm -hmm. the wheat will be gathered into barns. He's making it very clear that there will be a judgment that yeah. the Messiah, who is Jesus, that it is going to usher in. Yeah. And like I told my people today, we want to be the wheat gathered into the barn. We yeah. don't want to be the chaff that's burned up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think something important too is like uh, uh, kind of getting to the theological reason of like why we there's no like hope for reconciliation after death um, in hell is because um, like what is grace but participation in God's own life, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? And if you've definitively chosen 
not that, right? Right. Then there's there's no grace in hell, right? Um, and it's even grace, like you were saying, like that gets you into the confessional, even if that's where you spent, like you yo-yo back and forth mm-hmm. from, you know, uh, mortal sin to the confessional. All right, we're good again. You know, if mm-hmm. you do that your whole life, well, there's still grace that you're responding to and cooperating with right. that's getting you there. That's but it's after death that that's it, right? We're either completely in God's grace or we're not. Yeah, and in the scriptures when we talk about um, the rich man and Lazarus, I often think about that, where uh, where Lazarus is kind of at the, the edge of the table, kind of at the door begging, and the rich man does nothing to, to minister yeah. to Lazarus. Well, at the end of his life, Lazarus goes to be in the bosom of Abraham. That's that kind of Old Testament way of saying to be with God, to, yeah. to be in the presence of beatitude. And the the rich man goes to to well to hell, uh, and one of the things that the only thing the rich man wants is he wants a little bit of cool water from the tip of the finger of Lazarus, yeah. and and the Lord makes it very clear that that's not possible because there is a chasm here, mm-hmm. and that's what we believe about hell is that in hell we we just want a little a little droplet of grace a little droplet of of divine assistance. But we, throughout our lives, chose not to cooperate with grace. And that's what really, that's what dying in a state of mortal sin is. It's dying willfully choosing to to cut myself off from the life of grace. Uh, I don't want any divine assistance while I'm uh, while I'm here in in my life, because I want to be the divine one. I want to be God. And so I kind of try to manufacture my own grace with all of the stuff that I bring to the table, you know? So like my finances, my uh, my ability to, to do with my money as I want. Yeah. And, and I might be able to do very good things, you know? I might be able to be a good humanitarian while at the same time not cooperating a lick mm-hmm. with, with what God wants for me. And it's not that God doesn't want to give me graces, but if I continually cut myself off from him in this life, yeah. then I... I'm not going to respond to his grace Mm -hmm. because I'm the one who's putting the shield up. Mm -hmm. And so that's what endangers the soul at the time of death and mortal sin is that I have chosen to be apart from God so much in my life that I can make a Lucifer-like decision when I'm faced with with divine judgment that I can say, I don't want any of what you've got. Yeah. With that choice, I'm just wondering as we're talking about this, Mm -hmm. like I, I wonder if, you know, people who you know, find themselves eternally in, in the state of hell. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're really actually surprised by it, Mm. if it's a choice, right. That we make, um, you know, cause I always thought like what have, you know, and and growing up and thinking about what happens, like Mm -hmm. what happens if you get to hell and you're like, well, I thought I was also like, I thought I was living an awesome life. And the more I think about it now, just, you know, just a thought, um, is like, I wonder if, if people who end up there are really, really actually surprised. Mm -hmm. Cause if it's a choice that we make, you know, yeah, it's then, then are we really surprised if that's where, well, and because we're people that live in a timeline, it's a choice that we continually make just as we can continually make choices to allow, uh, uh, of lives of virtue. When we respond to grace, we go deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of God. When we do the opposite, we get deeper and deeper and deeper (laughs) in the opposite direction. We get farther and farther away from the heart of God so that we really don't we, we can't experience the, shall I say, the radiation from mm-hmm. the heart of the Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, and we get to the point where, and if you look at, um, like, the, the when 
priests speak about possession, mm-hmm. where there is an aversion to holy things. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you think about like Scrooge in, in uh, the Christmas story. He had an aversion to all yeah. that was good. Yeah. He had an aversion. He didn't want it. He didn't mm-hmm. want it in his presence. And so it wasn't until this this very merciful thing, right, the, the ghosts uh, visiting him, mm-hmm. that, that he begins to understand that, that life lived apart from, from what we would call grace is a life that, that is not worth living. Yeah, it is, yeah. a, is a life that, that is empty. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we, I think you're right that, that you know, well, St. Augustine says it well, great, all, great is already the punishment of sin when the fear of future divine judgment is lost. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find ourselves now is that, that you know, people sometimes, please God and let it not be me, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't fear future divine judgment. Yeah. And we're called to have a healthy fear yeah. of, of hell, right? We, we, we have to fear that in, in the sense of, I do not wish for that to come about for me. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it too is like, when you were asking that question, Kathleen, the thing I thought of was like, um, if in order to be afraid of future judgment, we have to believe that someone else even can judge me. Yeah. And I think we live in a, a world where um, like this concept of nominalism, mm-hmm. the idea that like, um, if you're unfamiliar, it's the, it's the philosophical school um, and, you know, slides into heresy that um, nothing, there's there's no like objective reality. Right, Things yeah. are what um, like me and my subjectivity make of them. And so essentially like I'm the only judge of me mm-hmm. if you want to apply it morally. And so we live in that kind of world where like everyone has their truth, everyone has their bliss, everyone, you know, um, is their own kind of arbiter of their own morality. And I think there there might be some level of surprise for people who to their core believe that. Now, I, you know, I wonder if people really on the very like basis of their being actually believe those things um, sometimes. But I think that for the for the ones that do it's going to be surprising mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um yeah. that there even that, is a yeah. judge you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but that i never really thought yeah, about if, that if you look at uh at the divine judgment uh or the last judgment of michelangelo's painting that big mm-hmm. giant uh painting in the sistine mm-hmm. chapel if you th- there's a there of course it depicts everything it depicts yeah. it depicts heaven and hell and judgment and then in the very bottom uh, right hand corner yeah. there there is hell and there is at least one character that is really kind of surprised yeah. he yeah. looks a little surprised to be there uh, and it's because presumably like at the end of it all he's like oh no mm-hmm. yeah. I have I, I have not, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, this gets into some of the conjecture that we'll talk about on the other side of the break, too, is uh, are there people in hell? You know, if God's a God who is merciful, uh, what what is that all about? Yeah, you know, should can we say that there are people in hell? Um, the, the spoiler alert is we can say that because Jesus himself says that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, to, to be so um, kind of self-absorbed that when you do meet the divine judge, mm-hmm. to be able to go, oh, well, you're real. Well, I'll be yeah. darned. Yeah. And indeed, I will be darned because, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing is is the, the more kind of disfigured we get to be by our own choice, by sin, by sinfulness, the more it's possible to say we could be in the presence of the divine judge and still... Yeah. not desire him. That's that's how our intellect is darkened. That's how our will is weakened so much by the presence of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. And it's always, uh, you know, um, that's why a little bit of fire and brimstone every so often is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So we hope uh, that you'll join us on the other side of the break. We're talking about hell on the Catholic Underground. Mm-hmm. 
Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. the Catholic underground and uh, diving into the depths of hell so you don't have to or so you don't have to, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen Higgins. Yep. <laughs> also Olivia Galino, Jeff Blackwell in space, and Ed Ball, also in space. Yeah, uh, you know, in space, no one can hear you scream. Oh, no. Yeah, there's no sound in space, so... Oh. It's hard to find a confessor in space, too, I think. <laughs> There's Jeff. Yeah, Jeff is trying to scream. And for those of you listening on the podcast, you don't hear anything. Yeah, if a tree good. falls in space, does anyone hear it? How did it get there? That's my question. Mm. These are the questions. These are the days <laughs> These of These are the hard-hitting questions yeah, that you have My for. goodness. Uh, well, as we've been talking about uh, the four last things, we're at the final of the four last things. It's a good way to kind of yeah. ring out the year, I guess. <laughs> uh, talking about Merry how- Advent. <laughs> Right. Well, talking, you know, it's interesting that as we go into this season of Advent, mm-hmm. the very last things that we talk about are the last things, right? right? When we get these incredibly apocalyptic liturgical uh, yeah. bits and bobs. So, so we are speaking for the Feast of Christ the King. We talk very much about his coming and we yeah. even talk about uh, that, that, that chapter in Matthew's gospel where it's very clear yeah. that uh, that hell is is real is very real um, and so I guess w- one of the things that we can talk about is you know Q&A here uh, about about hell um, is it real yep yes, it is. <laughs> yeah yeah Jesus says in um, in Matthew 25 so Matthew 25 it's the it's the sheep and the goats right mm-hmm. where he's talking about um, if you performed these corporal and spiritual works of mercy, we're kind of paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. If you do these things to the least of my brethren, it shows that there is something interiorly that you are manifesting out right. outwardly. Mm-hmm. And he says, for those of you who have done these things, you have done them unto me. If you've done them to the least of my brethren, come and inherit the place prepared for you from the beginning of the world, from the beginning of the world. Mm-hmm. And likewise, there are those who did not minister to the needs of the lowliest, did not, therefore did not minister to the Lord in his need. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's Matthew 25. Yeah. So Jesus, in his own words, tells us that there is a place that is, that is hell. Mm-hmm. And he even, in Mark's gospel, chapter 9, tells us what that's like. Mm-hmm. He says, it is the place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It lasts forever. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, the worm does not die. So, like, there's this kind of constant eating away, yeah. if you will. So there's grinding and gnashing of teeth. That's, that's another one of those yeah. phrases that's used uh, several times. I always find it interesting in, in Matthew. I, uh, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's like, man, and I'm constantly asking myself, like, Kathleen, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Mm-hmm. Right, but I always love how the goat people are like, <laughs> are like, Lord, when did we see you? you like, there. what? <laughs> and I, like, and, and see, this is... 
uh, this is why I love the show because you see how my brain works as we air because I'm seeing like years of, of thoughts coming together and Mm -hmm. that, you know, the question I asked earlier, are they surprised? You know, because they these, seem to be. I think these the goat scripture. people, re, but it's <laughs> these goat people. I've always. Seen, well, what do you mean? I, I've yeah. always seen them, you mm-hmm. know, as as like feigning surprise, like mm. what? Mm-hmm. We never saw yeah. you, like, mm-hmm. and they knew all along, like, I, and I feel like, you know, I feel like Jesus in this, and maybe this is just my own. My, Kathleen's eyes My Jesus. own, yeah, my own scriptural reflection, but I feel like Jesus is like, really. Mm. Like, really? Come on. You know, and they're like, no. Okay, you're right. You know, like, it's it's worth saying that, again, the farther we get away from the life of grace, the more we can't see the face of God in in those who are suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In fact, that's the Beatitude. Jesus begins his public ministry with the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when? Mm -hmm. And he says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Yeah. So the more pure our heart is, which means the more we've responded to the grace of God, the more we can see his face Mm -hmm. incarnate, the more we can see his face in the suffering of others, the more we can see the cross being carried as we are carrying them. But the more and more we live lives of of sin, the more we turn away and aside from God, Mm -hmm. the more we just kind of get deeper and deeper into our own stuff, where, where we see the crosses that we carry as just these, you know, the the world is not on my side, right, so yeah. I have to medicate even more, you know, and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think there's maybe some legitimate surprise because they're unable to see the face of God. And so when they finally do see the face of God, they realize that it is so unlike what I have become yeah. that, well, what do you mean? When did I see you naked yeah. and not clothe you? When did I see you thirsty and not give you drink? And the Lord will say, well, you didn't see me in these least ones. You, you lost that mm-hmm. likeness and you, you couldn't make it out. Yeah. Um, and so now the, the bed that you've made, you must lie in. The, yeah. the, the, the eternity that you have made for yourself while here on earth, you must now experience by your own free choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, hell is a place. It does exist. And um, we, it's important to say that God does not desire any of us to go there. Right. But it's a constant choice that we make. Um, is it full? <laughs> don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, we don't know because I mean, we don't know. We don't know how finite the place is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we can be assured both like what we know scripturally and from revelations such as like Our Lady of Fatima mm-hmm. um, and different saints like Saint Teresa of Avila. You know, just different saints mm-hmm. who have had like visions of hell. Mm-hmm. That, Saint Teresa of Lisieux too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, it is populated. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. there are souls there. Yeah, but um, as far as like numbers and things, we don't I think, know what capacity looks like. Yeah, in yeah, we don't know. yeah. Um, whereas like we get a kind of symbolic representation of heaven in Revelation, you know, the hundred and forty-four thousand. Mm-hmm. It's symbolic; it's not an exact number. Yeah. Um, we don't really get that for hell. I yeah. think also too because like we we understand like yes god is has all knowledge he knows like who uh is going to like end up in that state of eternal separation but he doesn't will it right. he's not trying to like make it come to be no and so there's always uh hope for redemption that's right know? in fact because god knows that souls freely can choose hell he is constantly trying to to win us back to himself i mean yeah. that's the thing we see all throughout the old testament 
all throughout the Old Testament, the whole setup for the coming of the Messiah is please, please come back to me with all your heart. If you if you make even the slightest turn back towards me, I promise you I will meet you more than halfway. Yeah. Yeah. That's the love of our God. That's the God who, who made us, is the one who is going to try to stop at nothing to see that we come back to him. Mm. Yeah. But in the end of the day, it is, it is, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know what you must do and you know what you must not do. Yeah. And we still have the ability to choose, choose yeah. God or not. Well, that's the prod- I mean, that's the prodigal son right there is, you mm-hmm. know, like the father doesn't chase down the son, mm-hmm. but as soon as the son returns, I always love like the image of the, of the prodigal son coming to the, the property line, mm-hmm. you know, and the father seeing him a, a ways off, mm-hmm. just the sight of him, right. he runs to him. And you get the sense that the father has been constantly vigilant. Oh, yeah. Looking, yeah. yeah, I always imagine him like looking and it's like this old man who just, yeah. you know, yeah, every day lost his son. Yeah. Three o'clock. And comes. he looks and he's like. No, 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 no. Couldn't right? be. And yeah. it doesn't say that like, oh, he turned off all the lights. I was like, shh, shh, y'all be quiet. <laughs> Maybe he'll go away. No, it says that he ran to him. And that, yeah. that is, is mm-hmm. that, that returning, you know, yeah. the, the son comes in the mess that he is mm-hmm. and says, uh, you know, and I, I imagine him just, you know, at the tree line, mm-hmm. pacing back and forth, trying to decide. And the, the father catches one side of him yeah. and is, and takes off, you know, his old man just takes off running. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's, that's how the Lord is. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for us just to, to show up on the property line, yeah. yep. you know? And that's why, I mean, that's why the church is here. That's why Jesus intends to found a church is because if you will, that's the, that's God's property on earth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. anytime that you grace the doors of the church, it's always interesting. And of course, maybe I'm playing a little inside baseball here. But um, whenever folks that, that haven't been to church in a long time, uh, or shall I say, my perception is they are kind of, um, shall we just say, averted to the things of God. Not necessarily that they're possessed and they you know have this, yeah, sure, yeah. Ver- mm-hmm. but, but walking into a church, they realize that it is a place that is other than they have known for much of their mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested to to watch how they react and what they do and what they're looking at and mm-hmm. yeah. and how they attempt to interact with the clergy. And so I sometimes very much feel like the father to say, now how is it? Because they perhaps have not come to themselves in the same way that the prodigal son did, but they're inside the doors of my church, parish. Yeah. So yeah. what is it that I must do to kind of be kind of the voice of the father, the heart of the father, who doesn't say, get out of my house, but rather the opposite, saying, well, I'll give you the inheritance, but uh, uh, there, there's, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. You know, what you've been doing now, I, you're not happy, are you? And so every now and then there'll be a little, the Holy Spirit will say, you need to just ask him about this mm-hmm. or mention this in the course of the baptism or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And it is always interesting how he works that way because even certainly through his priests, God does not desire that any soul that walks to the property line, so to speak, yeah. be lost. Yeah. He, he, does, he, he wants you to be inside, inside the church, right? Inside um, he, the, the, the personification of the heavenly Jerusalem right yeah. now, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there's been some chatter about, um, you know, the the dare we hope thing yeah. is hell we we talked about it, is it full but is hell actually empty yeah mm. yeah i mean um if you're familiar with like uh hans urs von baltazar which everyone is i That's know right. he was he was a great um, philosopher theologian of his day he really was he doesn't get as much credit as he should but 
anyway, not every good philosopher has to be straight optimistic. Let's just let that be the lesson, kids. Um, but <laughs> and he's not. He's very much in a different vein. Yeah, he's more like yeah, Hegelian, anyway. perhaps. Yeah, it's got some Augustine in there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, but he wrote a book called "Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved," and his the thrust of his kind of exploration there was like, is that something that we can hope for? Mm-hmm. And it caused all kind of kerfuffle because there is a um, a heresy called universalism that says uh, it's been condemned by the church, obviously. Because it's also it alive a, and well in the world today. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, but it has been officially condemned by the church, just, you know, worth noting. Um, but um, the adherents of, of universalism claim to know that all people will be saved. Now, the the difference there is that hope is very different from knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Hope, sure, is a conviction, but it's a conviction ultimately in the one in whom our hope lies, which is God himself. It is not a hope in specific events coming to be, right? Because that's presumption, Mm -hmm. right? That's not hope. Um, And so uh, there's all this kind of kerfuffle because people were um, thinking that that von Balthasar was like... um, somehow claiming to know that all people would be saved and that's not theologically coherent. Um, anyway, and then it kind of came back into light recently with um, Bishop Barron mm-hmm. um, because... He's just kind of introducing the concept in his right, Catholicism series. Right. And, you know, also not claiming a universalist position because that's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think it brings up a really good conversation about, well, what do we hope for, mm-hmm. right? What can we hope for, theologically speaking? And so, like, we first have, first of all have to understand that, like, we are made for heaven. Mm-hmm. We're made for communion with God. Sure. And that, uh, like, hope is that, that conviction in the one who, in whom our hope lies, but it's this longing for something, that's something good, right? Yes. We don't hope for bad things. Right. Yeah. So we hope for good things, and in this and case it's— fulfillment. It's, yeah, it is fulfillment. In this case, it's our salvation, right? And not just mine and not just yours and yours, but the salvation of all people. Right. That's right. Um, we say that in the Eucharistic prayer, right, is that that through these rites, through this, this offering of the body and blood of Jesus— we wish for the salvation of the world. We yeah. hope that it brings about the salvation of the world. Yeah. Uh, again, even in the rites of the church, in offering Jesus Christ, uh, the, the the sacrifice that he himself provides for his church, we are hoping that it brings about the conviction in the hearts of all men that they would be saved. Yeah. And I think Balthazar here, von Balthazar is really hanging his hat on the mercy of God. You know, we talk a lot about like the the kind of duality between not dualism, mm-hmm. but the duality between like God's mercy and His judgment, right? Or mercy and His justice. And I think von Balthazar is thinking through to its logical conclusions. All right, what would the mercy of God look like? Mm-hmm. Right? Absolute mercy. Yeah. Absolute mercy. What would that look like? And is that something that we can hope for? Which is why he titles it dare we hope, mm-hmm. right, that all men be saved. Um, and so he comes to the conclusion that hell is what he calls a real possibility. Um, so he's not, you know, maybe as convicted as he should be in that sense of, like, the, the reality of hell because there's so much, you know, scriptural evidence for it, theological evidence anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, however, there's good reason to hope that in the end all men may, may be saved. And to even, like, clarify his position, he says, we stand completely and utterly under judgment and have no right nor is it possible for us to peer in advance at the judge's cards. Mm-hmm. How can anyone equate hoping with knowing? 
I hope that my friend will recover from his serious illness. Do I therefore know this? Right. right? So he's aware that like we can hope for it, but that's not the same thing as expecting it. It's not the same thing as knowing it. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where we have to like leave the question unanswered, right? I love that he uses that analogy of like we can't peer in advance at the judge's cards. Right. Yeah. We have to wait until they're played in a sense. Right. But the only thing that we can do is concern ourselves with our salvation, right? Like like St. Paul says, to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And we do that not because we, we fear um, God's, uh, you know, being maleficent to yeah. us, um, but but because we actually have a healthy fear that we might choose to be apart from Him for the rest of our of, of yeah. eternity, and to work out your salvation in fear and trembling means I, I don't want to be at that stage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have my will. Um, darkened, or my will weakened and my intellect darkened. And so therefore I wish to stay in the state of grace as much as possible. And when I do fall, I do wish to go back through the ordinary means by which God reconciles me to himself, which is in the sacraments of the church, in a sense of, of being in a state of venial sin, Acts of charity, receiving the Eucharist, mm. certainly receiving reconciliation, those are ways in which that that foe is routed. Yeah. And then, of course, if I'm in a state of mortal sin, where I've committed a serious sin, then sacramental reconciliation is the normative way by which that is uh, that is expunged, that is wiped away, and I'm back on the road to sainthood again. And again, this is because of God's mercy that he provides the sacramental life of the church. It's because of God's mercy that he even provides a priesthood that can give us an audible expression, an audible prayer, and an audible statement of reality that because you have come here, your sins are forgiven through the power of the Holy Spirit present in the church today. Yeah. I went to confession last week. I was over, overdue, and I can't tell you. Whenever, whenever I heard the the prayer of absolution prayed over me, I went, "Lord, thank you, yeah. thank you for bringing me back." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that that type of an experience is oftentimes what will help a person to realize, "No, this is real, mm-hmm. and I do have to make amends. I do have to change my life." Yeah. 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 John the Baptist began a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus completes it by imbuing it with the power of the Holy Spirit, which has the power to save. Yeah. yeah. And I think something, too, to kind of point out as a corollary to that is, like, the grace that we can, you know, kind of advocate for ourselves, win for ourselves, we can also win for other people. Correct. Not completely, but I know a lot of times some people are like, I'm really worried that so-and-so in my life has cut themselves off from God, and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm worried about their soul, you know? And that's a legitimate fear. It is. But I think we have to remember the reality of prayer and, like, that prayer is not just like it makes me feel better, you know. Right, like, yeah, yeah prayer, prayer is, is not efficacious. just simply a salve. Yeah, it's it's efficacious. And it was Fulton Sheen. He was talking about vocations when he said this, but I, I think it's apt across the board. He said that our prayers are like like imagine like the graces of the world, the graces that we need, kind of hanging like from from ribbons, mm-hmm. right, in heaven. And our prayers are like the swords that cut them, mm. right, and drop yeah. them down. Um, and I love that image. And so, like, the people in our lives that need prayer, that need God, um, yeah. but aren't kind of doing that advocacy for themselves, we can do to a certain extent, you right. know? And that's, that, is the re- that is a reality, that right. you can win grace for other people. And, and, it, and it is efficacious in that it, it can... It can allow for their hearts to be softened. Yeah. It can allow for, yeah. for their will 
to be brightened a bit by our kind of carrying that cross with them and for them. Mm-hmm. St. Monica, of course, is the gold standard yeah, right. of yeah. praying for, for Augustine, her son. Yeah. And your prayer, it's important to note this, your prayers are efficacious. They do mm-hmm. go to the heart of God and they do actively intercede for others. Mm-hmm. That is something that, that the church has always believed, even before the coming of the Messiah. <laughs> In the Old Testament, there is a notion of, of efficacious, of active uh, real prayer that has effects and so so don't be afraid to pray and sometimes the 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 only prayer that we can say is lord help yeah lord help my friends lord help my son help my daughter help my husband help my wife and the lord hears those prayers and then he begins to figure out the ways in which his grace have to flow so that that person can hopefully be snatched away yeah. from eternal fire. Mm-hmm. Something that we don't want to snatch you away from, though, is that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. For our first CU Pick of the Week, Olivia. Oh. Yay, <laughs> Olivia. This is how they pity me. Okay, um, my pick of the week is something called 100 Days of Dante. Um, so I know that um, we've mentioned, because of the topics in the past couple of weeks, we've mentioned Dante a lot. Um, and what we're referring to, because I don't think we said it today, is Dante's Divine Comedy, which is three parts of uh, the Inferno, which is Hell, Purgatorio, Purgatory, and then Paradiso about Heaven. It's about like his kind of journey through all those places. Anyway, um, it's incredible. I read it when I was in college and it honestly like kind of changed my life, not to be dramatic, but like it really changed my life in a lot of different ways. And um, if you haven't ever read it, don't think that you're too old or like it's, you know, I'm not in college anymore and I don't have anyone to explain it to me because that's kind of the point behind this project. It's a bunch of different schools, professors who have gotten together to read through Dante in a hundred days. And it's very like bite-sized, you know, so like if you and if you miss stuff like it's okay that's kind of how i need dante sometimes because the poetry can get thick yeah yeah no for sure it's written in like medieval italian and then translated into english like excuse me (laughs) um but what i love is that it's all these people who have really broken it down for like a popular audience um but in a way that doesn't lose any of its meaning um and even if you're like oh well i've already missed because it started a while ago it started back in september if you're like oh well i've already missed whatever well they're still they're still only like halfway through they're in purgatorio so like it's it's always a good place to jump in and like do what you can they're about to get to heaven you know so it's like Great place to jump in. Yeah, purgatory. Jump in on purgatory. Um, But yeah, it's culturally so significant. Love Dante, so highly recommend that. And and the 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 recordings and stuff are really good. Awesome, Kathleen. Top that. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Mm. I so I went on my honeymoon to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and one of the things that I surprised my husband with, um, there was so much for our wedding that he was just like, "Whatever you want, babe. Whatever you want. Whatever you want." That I knew I I needed to surprise him with something. So we went. Needed a showstopper. Yeah. So I I called ahead, made an appointment at this place called Iron Mountain Metal Craft in Pigeon Forge. Yeah, you did. It was. <laughs> so fun you go into like this like um like open air barn and you make your own knife (laughs) can we talk about this so this if you're watching on air this is the one that i made 
and I made it out of out of a horseshoe. That's so cool. This is so awesome. So I told Adam, I was like, my fan, my fiance, my husband. I was like, look, you can hold it like this or like this. And he was like, there's something uh, upside very, down or right side up, and they both look menacing. Uh, yeah, and he made one out of a little pony, a little pony shoe. Oh, um, oh yours is the bigger one. <laughs> yeah, but he was. I wonder. I was like, I feel bad. And it was it was just a really cool experience. Something that's that was, uh, you know, off the beaten path. Um, it was, you know, we both could do it. Um, I'm pretty sure a hot ember fell off my knife into my boot. Um, it was quite painful, but um, but it was so it was so no pain, no knife. So much fun. And so now I have this cool knife, and she was like, you can either put it on your belt like like this up and down, or you can wear it like a cowboy. What? And do it like this, like that, so that it sits like. Mm-hmm. straight with your belt oh. i was like i'm gonna oh. wear it like a cowboy because i got myself a pony knife pony it's exciting knife. so uh iron where is it iron mountain metal craft in pigeon forge tennessee is my pick of sounds the like week. a blacksmith shop it it was so much more oh really <laughs> they had sharp knives and hot things it was awesome yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you made it back with all of your digits intact, yes. actually, this so has, far. This has been safely tucked away. I'm not allowed to touch it most times. Yeah, can't be back out of your luggage. I was wondering about the TSA. Yes, or, please don't. No, we, we drove. drove so. Oh, I see. Okay. They were their own TSA. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Je- Jeff. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, my turn. And thank you for letting me have a turn. Yeah, uh, poor House. P-O-U-R-H-A. U.S. Oh, so, Poorhouse. Okay. Uh, it's a boxed wine, and I have tried to find more info about it. Now it's available everywhere, but I, I, you know, it's a vineyard. I don't know, but it's uh, they have <laughs> a red know. blend and sangria and and uh, cabs and kind of all, all kinds of uh, selections. But it's it's th- three liters for fifteen bucks. It's like yeah. you know well, so uh, well so. But and it's very, very tasty, too. So that's my pick of the week. You know, a, a good boxed wine is hard to find. Well, now and, you And sometimes it, it's it? hard to drink. So, oh, oh I mean, yeah, you're you right. Know? You're yeah, absolutely so. right about that. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that out. Is mm-hmm. it available at most uh, retailers? Uh, yeah, particularly like the, there, there's a big... Um, a big box store, okay, yeah. uh, of uh, you know, like alcohol. Uh, oh yeah, we do. We have and, we do have a big box alcohol store. We're Louisiana yeah. folks. I've been yeah. there. I <laughs> so, like it. Uh, but you it can find it online. I cool. have no problem. No, My pick of the week, of course, speaks to the artist heart in me. It is oh. uh, Marvel by Design. My, so if you my, can imagine my. the graphic design of Marvel comics from their inception, yeah, as uh, as timely comics, really? way back in the day in the in the what, Silver Age, Bronze Age of comics? My goodness. Uh, All the way to today, Marvel has kind of developed its own kind of graphical style that is pretty normative today. Hmm. Things that we think about when we think about comic books and how they come together. Marvel was responsible for a great deal of that, um, that uh, what do you call that? Juggernauting, of, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually an X-Men. I understand that. But, I got you. But yeah, yeah uh, kind of spearheading the, the look. So Marvel by Design is the book. It's a nice coffee table size book. Oh my, that is and, a And I mean, book. all manner of wow. illustrations. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. I, uh, and, it, and it breaks down everything. So like by comic page, by uh, types of fonts, um, uh, by 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 logos of the different oh, uh, cool. characters, really, really well done. Very, very well done. And so, cool. so for the graphic designer in your life, maybe you can get it in time for Christmas. I don't know. Marvel by Design is my pick really of the cool. week. Yeah, 
At fine bookstores everywhere. At fine bookstores <laughs> everywhere. And as always, you know, as we, we come to the end of the calendar year, whenever this uh, program is being recorded, you can always let us know uh, what your picks of the week are. You can go to backchat at catholicunderground.com. That's an email address, and it emails all of us all at the same time. And so you can let us know what your picks of the week are, and perhaps, uh, if you'd like, you can leave us maybe your first name and initial, and um, and we can say it was, you know, We'll talk about you. Yeah, it was Joe C's uh, pick of the week. So, yeah. so uh, we like that. We like that uh, kind of interaction as well. Yeah. And uh, also, speaking of back chat, tell yeah. us what you like. Tell us what you want to want to hear. Some topics. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. got a couple well, of back chats that we'll probably read in the new year. Um, cool. And some folks have been quite loquacious, and that's good. Mm. We, I like that for sure. So uh, as always, we're always uh, grateful for you. And we're always very grateful for um, for your interaction. I know the chat room is almost always a buzz with uh, with folks. In fact, we even have some top fans in the chat room Ooh. by now, which is very nice, you know. And uh, of course, we we do hope that uh, the new year will bring uh, good things for our apostolate for Catholic Underground. And so, one of the things that I used to do way back when is a state of the podcast, podcast, mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, we might do that before the, the the end of the year is out. And I know Father Ryan Humphreys and I are already talking about some things to to maybe look for forward to in the new year um, with uh, with some just some different podcasting things so as always uh, as i say i thank you for being our viewer being our listener being our prayer warrior being our benefactor and jeff always can tell you the way to become a benefactor yeah just go to catholicunderground.com slash donate and become an undergrounder. Uh, you can also uh, help us out by uh, letting others know about, uh, you know, the the CU. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember to uh, to like us and to heart us mm-hmm. and to star us yeah. on your platform of choice. And if uh, your podcasting service um, uh, allows you to do so, uh, leave, leave a comment, yeah. a positive comment, and pass it on to others and let them know about the CU. That's right. And it's worth noting, we know that we have merch that's sitting in our merch cabinet yep and i haven't yet been able to get the uh, the website up and running so maybe that's what i will do over my christmas vacation yay oh, um, I'm rest. that's right our pa- i will rest as well uh, our our panelists have been kathleen higgins at cat higgins 626 on instagram is that right yeah that's right okay sorry i had to slow down my role uh, olivia galino is the dot real dot omg on instagram and twitter Jeff Blackwell is our technical director uh, at Jeff Blackwell us on Twitter and Instagram. Albert, no, not Albert. I need to change this on the rundown. Ed, Ed doesn't have any social media, but he does run the video. Jim Hayes is our research assistant with his crew in the lab. Happy Advent, Jim and the crew in the lab. And you know me, I'm Father Chris Decker at Digital Catholic on Twitter and the Instagrams. You've been listening to the Catholic Underground, cutting through the noise, we hope, so that you don't have to and find that still small voice for Catholic Underground, and we'll see you next time.